Bonjour, monsieur. Hello. Hello, was ist das? <laughs> oh, this is the wrong podcast. Sorry. You have to, uh, I think, uh, you have to dial somewhere else. I think you mis mis misspelled Liberty here. <laughs> ah, well, I do what I can. But anyway, welcome to Liberty. Welcome, everyone. This is your weekly destination to hear everything that happens in the world of hospitality. Uh, my name is Jeremy, and I'm with Misha. What we do is we dig through hundreds of different newspapers, mostly high quality newspapers, uh, so you don't have to. And uh, basically we'll keep you updated on everything that happens in the world as well, not necessarily just hospitality. If there's any papers, academics or any new software that are important, we'll let you know. And obviously, uh, quick disclaimer, we add our own opinion on it. So the whole thing you're listening to is going to be subjective. We do provide links, but Our opinion is also here. <laughs> All right, Jeremy, uh, how has your week been? Let's dig right in. Yeah. Well, so far so good. The summer is coming here in Manila, so uh, we have a good average of 33 degrees every day. Yay! <laughs> it's uh, it's it's ten, it's nine degrees in Berlin, so it's it's I think it's feasible. You can already go outside and do sports outside without freezing your limbs off <laughs> That's great. Good to know. Uh, so Definitely my thing so i guess let's yeah like you said let's jump into it uh there's quite a lot of different news um i think personally i would love to start with um uh, something easy so you've you've looked at uh, a manila uh thrill scape uh would you like to elaborate yeah uh how yes definitely well uh okada is a landmark in manila when it comes to very high-end hotel Uh, it's actually a resort. They have a, a major casino, which is uh, also quite interesting as uh, Manila has been trying to attract a lot of gamblers from China uh, to uh, be a competitor of Macau, for instance. So uh, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. And uh, I like this piece of news because it's the first time ever that I see a luxury resort invest and build some sort of park pack. We have seen resorts with you know, like uh, crazy things, pools, we've seen uh, base jumping, we've seen uh, roller coasters, all of this, but that I've never seen before. And I find it very interesting because it really shows the spirit of innovation in the hospitality industry and the absolute need to be different than the guys next door, which are Solaire, for instance, another super nice resort in Manila. And uh, they just came up with this idea and I find it super appealing for families, for friends, for athletes as well. And it's actually super affordable. The price, I think, the first package goes for 500 Filipino peso, which is about $10. So it's definitely something to look for uh, when you're visiting Manila. I mean, it, it basically is like a training camp for Ninja Warrior, right? So you, you can... Can be, yeah. I mean, for example, I don't know if you've seen the TV show right there where you can run up the thing and at the end you have to click a button and then you win. Um, so it, that's pretty exciting. <laughs> and you can gamble while you're at it. It's it? also, <laughs> but it's also great because I'm sure they will be able to host many different events. And we know how important it is for sales, the sales department of a resort or hotel um, to actually attract people in, whether it's for the rooms or for the restaurants, for the gambling. And now it's for that. And I'm sure there will be tons of events using this room and this infrastructures in Manila, uh, whether it's for, as you said, some Ninja Warrior competition made in Philippines or uh, whatever senior high school uh, that wants to have some sort of 
physical education there or why not maybe a major corporation that would have some team building there all this will drive a lot of the resort and i think it's a really great idea i'm, I'm, I'm very interested in looking more of this type of innovation and really uh, de-dust a little bit our industry i think it's really great so i wanted to share that with you today <laughs> um i wonder when when is going to be the day when they're going to put that on a cruise ship <laughs> so. uh, there's actually a lot of stuff on cruise ships like that we have um surfing simulators we have uh zip lines we have claiming walls uh we have slides there's there's tons of things already there but the parkour thingy i'm not i've never seen it before there's a cart there's a cart karting track on an ncl ship so you can actually do karting on deck 16 or 17 so it's, it's pretty badass as well karting okay well um I think it's a, it goes into the palette of all the things you can offer as a hospitality business, right, or as a service industry sector. And that's really cool. Yep. Well, um, on that note, uh, maybe we can move into something more, something sure. more serious. Um, I found it something uh, less fun. <laughs> well, let's see. You can tell me at the end if if you found it fun. So. Um, this uh, this uh, this week, uh, Accor has and uh, many other companies, right, have published their financial results for last year, and Accor's uh, earnings basically have, as this article puts it, rec reached a record high. So, they have now over, I think, about right around eight hundred thousand different uh, rooms they operate, and this year they've basically crossed the the line of one billion uh, euros EBITDA. Well, almost, you know, one billion euros EBITDA. Now, you know, everybody's pretty hyped, you know, they're doing well, they're operating well, they've recovered from uh, from COVID. However, I, I, I just questioned it a little bit, right? One billion, okay, how how does that look like compared to, let's say, 2000, I don't know, let's say 2007, right? Before the, the, the last financial crisis. And the numbers aren't really actually that positive. So what you, what effectively you have is, uh, let me just quickly jump on that. Here is, for example, the results from 2007. And you can see here, uh, basically 2007, they had a consolidated revenue of 8.1 billion euros, while they have five now. And this revenue was with basically half the amount of rooms. So they had right around 400. Uh, there is a report from their own, right, from their own financial, it's basically a similar style report, if I, annual kind of uh, uh, financial overview, you know, for the for the stakeholders. They back then had right around 460, 450,000 rooms. So, you know, right now they have 830,000. And they've made 8 billion. And from that EBITDA was, well, EBITDA uh, was 2.3. So you could say they've recovered from COVID. However, they haven't really recovered as a whole, right? If you would be as an investor who, let's say, invested 10 years ago, well, 20 years ago, let's say, well, 15 years ago, right, 2017, effectively, you would be now at a less profit margin than you were in 2007, which is, right, I mean, <laughs> maybe not as positive if you look at the big picture. And then, of course, I thought, well, okay, how is how are the other guys doing, right? So we have... I've looked at uh, Marriott. We have Marriott here, right? So these are numbers from, uh, this is their EBITDA uh, for the past 10 years. Unfortunately, you couldn't find data for 2006 or seven. Um, but they have effectively, right? They've, well, I mean, 2008, they were basically almost zero. In fact, they almost lost money. But still, right, it's it's a bit more net positive. Hilton, on the other hand, is, you know, it's it's 
you can see there is no net overall growth as much as it is could be right so for example for hilton here this is right around 2008 2000 sorry 2012 they had a record revenue of two point sorry ebitda once again 2.7 billion and then now they had 2.4 billion so i think overall i mean merit as well if you actually look at the 2007 numbers they are basically about the same so they still haven't really broken the record for that period so you can say a lot of the main hotel chains, right? Well, it looks, if you look at the past four years, yeah, it, they're doing great, right? Of course, they went from here for a million up to four billion, right? That sounds like an amazing increase. But if you look at the past 20 years, they're kind of at the same place they were in the beginning. So um, hard to say. <laughs> Thoughts from yeah. this side? Um, yeah. Could it be maybe because of the rise of costs? overall because we we saw uh two weeks ago we were looking at this at those report that shows that the the average rate per room the daily average per room has been going up like crazy um so hotels room hotel rooms are more expensive today than they were in 2007 for sure that's completely sure mm -hmm. so if they are making less money it's probably because the cost has been going a lot crazy as well so I mean, there's been inflation for sure, right? Um, maybe, right? We haven't looked at this into details, uh, so I haven't looked at, for example, average ADR for for these chains. Might have been that the ADR increased, let's say, twenty, thirty percent. But like you said, the costs of you know, especially in the, since COVID, uh, when a lot of money printing was going on, uh, the costs of just alone in the past few years increased by ten or twenty, thirty percent, depending on the country, right? So, and 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 I think we can also talk about the human cost. Because we know how difficult it is now to hire. It's difficult, you know, to retain employees. So I feel like also the cost of, of labor has been going up. Not just that we have to pay people more, but also because it's so much like harder to hire people and to retain them. So this is probably some sort of role to play within this mix, I think. But in a nutshell, right, with the big hotel chains, and I mean, this could be also very representative of... Um other you know hotel businesses are kind of stuck in the loop right so you haven't really in effect increased your business model right or if you're a hotel operator regardless I'm, I'm i'm assuming you're right probably a lot of chains have very similar numbers right since inflation applies to all <laughs> and in fact maybe the big chains can actually fight it a bit more because they can negotiate better deals right but still um well you know positive news in brackets perhaps <laughs> and that note but it's uh, yeah. it makes a makes a nice connection with the news that we had just before it really shows that we need to innovate to bring more business into our properties so and get really get rid of those filthy costs sorry filthy human uh, so filthy costs <laughs> that work for your <laughs> all those filthy cost managers that they come over and tell you that we have to log every single toilet paper roll that we put in the in the rooms and all this thing well it's just well, that sounded like you had a very tough personal experience. <laughs> okay, I think on that note, business, right? we can move on to a piece of news you've brought in. Uh, a very typical sure. French piece of news, I would say. So, uh, something coming all the way from, from uh, Paris. Uh, from Paris, so, the capital of the world. You had quite a lot of different things, I think, you've put together. Let me uh, pop that open for you. Yes, there's actually, you know, the Olympics are coming and... Um, Pretty much every single, um, you know, French major 
company that will be involved in that is is like oh wait we can go on strike now because we, we have leverage over the government so uh, many people are going on strike including the staff from the company that runs the eiffel tower so the eiffel tower belongs to the city of paris as well as the operation company that runs it every day um, this company uh, has quite a, quite a big amount of staff and the staff has been going on strike because first they want to have uh, better compensation and also because they say the city of paris is not uh, invested enough money in maintaining the tower itself so they claim that it is dangerous uh, to have massive amount of tourists so what you're showing is interesting because it shows that the eiffel tower is very instagrammable which of course it is as it's it's part of a landmark but it's also the most visited paying landmark in the world visited so basically there's like millions and millions of people that come up and down the tower every single year. So what the company running the Eiffel Tower is asking for is renovation, more money, claiming that it's unsafe right now to operate the tower, which obviously it isn't, and of course, better compensation. So it's an interesting story because we have a lot of other companies that are doing pretty much the same, like uh, SNCF or RATP, which are the French, the Paris Metro or the French National Train Company, uh, most of them have said that they might strike during the Olympics because they are right now negotiating better compensation packages. So would it be a shortcut to say that what my people do best is strike? Yes, it would. The right thing would say that my people are really good at negotiating. That's, that's what we're good at. So um, I just wanted to bring this as an example of what's going on right now in my country. Uh, with the Eiffel Tower itself, even the Iron Lady is touched by the by the strikes. It's very ironic. There's a lot of leverage here, obviously, right? Right before the Olympics, you know, you're like, okay, this is the perfect time for ask for extra extra pay. <laughs> yeah, well, this is this is how we build our very comfortable, you know, social system in France and, and compensation system in France. So we are really good at negotiating, and the, the Olympics is great leverage, as you said. So there are tons of companies doing it including the company running there um i also uh, quickly before the you told me about the news you were bringing in i, I found right the the quick uh, statistics here what are the people who actually visit the eiffel tower so 20 percent are the french right so people from uh, from france so easily accessible so those i mean you could argue that the french are in a way affecting the french right so <laughs> if anything at all <laughs> the people are going to be both disadvantaged <laughs> Maybe right there, right? You, you, I think a lot of people have, for example, um, a stereotype that the Chinese are overrunning the, you know, the French Eiffel uh, Tower and it's gonna fall apart and this, you know, blow up. But actually, you, you can't even see it. Actually, it's right after Netherlands. It's right around two percent as well. So China is way lower than, I mean, France by itself or, you know, those dirty UK people that come over and <laughs> visit the, exactly. Uh, so. I mean, interesting to know, right? Uh, we'll see how this turns out. Uh, we also had a few news right a few months ago that uh, the France was plagued by bedbugs and trains. And it sounds like just, you know... Which, uh, which, yes. which has been proven to be uh, Russian-powered misinformation. Russian-powered, okay. Yeah. yeah so so yeah, Putin, is pers Putin is personally... Putin is personally... They try to spread that. Yep, yep, yep. They try to spread that to... to I, I, are you serious or are you joking? I'm, I'm, I'm not yeah. sure. <laughs> no, it's, it's been, uh, I'll try to find an article on that the next time, for the next time. But there's, there's, there's definitely been checked by our 
uh, spying agencies or was it the uh, uh, GSI or the GSC? I forgot, but so, I'll, I'll try to find the article. So the bad bugs, I mean, did they put the bad bugs in there or was, was it like misinformation? Because it could have been really funny. I think, is it true to a certain extent? Yes. But was it a war against bad bugs? No. Paris has never been. I like, see. It's, it's not like you walk down as like a family of bed bugs from the UK asking you where is the Eiffel Tower. That this is not a thing. It's never been a thing. Thank you for for uh, coming over and. It's been proven that a lot of Russian accounts that were, you know, complaining about spreading it. Spreading this type of yeah, spreading this type of misinformation. I mean, I mean, quite honestly, right? The, for example, the sources we cited were Euronews and a few others. So maybe they should be fact-checking this a bit more accurately when they report on yes. massive problems of bed bugs in the French SNCF. You know, so that's a, that's a very interesting. I mean, those, yeah. those videos are real for sure. No, like it's, it's legit. But was it an invasion? Absolutely not. I mean, yeah, it's also right in this case, maybe it's difficult to, to judge which is what is more accurate. Because if you would ask SNCF, obviously, they're not going to say, well, we're over being overrun. Please help. <laughs> we're all going to die soon. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, fair enough to some extent, I suppose. Um, well, on that note, um, I think we can jump on to a few more simpler pieces of news. Um, so what we have here is uh, basically something I quickly found. It's... The so think about it following right uh, loyalty of guests staying in hotels. Would you say it's it's a uh, it's huge? You know how many people come back to hotels? Once overall, they, yeah, overall, like on average, you know, industry average. Uh, let's 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 go with a third. Um. Well. You actually slightly uh, underestimated. So what we have here is customer return rate. Um, hospitality has fifty-five percent, so it's it's not too bad. However, it is the lowest, <laughs> the lowest customer return rate amongst all the industries. That uh, a recent study by uh, well, HKC, right, Statista, and Chartmogul basically did. So. You know, we can look here, you know, media, I think maybe is obvious, right? You, you, you buy the same newspaper all the time, right? You don't really jump from that. Uh, right, then the healthcare, I suppose, you know, it's, you can see here it's it's low, you know, in brackets, but it's still 77%. And I mean, right, <laughs> you reckon you usually go to the same doctor, but uh, hospitality, right, is 55%. Um, and obviously the study doesn't really go into why, right? But I think we can maybe assume that... Uh, Right, there's so many choices, right? For example, in terms of newspapers, right? You, you're not going to buy a new newspaper every week. That's just, you know, disorienting. And that's the person why we are here, right? That's what we're trying to do is aggregate all the information, right? But um, in hospitality, right? I think maybe it's usually there is a stereotype that, you know, at around the age of 65, you, you start going to the same place over and over and over again, right? But prior to that, you're more keen to explore new things every year or even like some multiple times a year, depending on your budget, right? So, yeah. Uh, any thoughts on this one? Oh, I think I think you're right. There's just a very plurality of offers. And uh, it, it, it would have been interesting to see what's the number for business hospitality and leisure hospitality. Because companies usually have uh, deals with hotels, with chain of hotels, uh, so that's a lot of repeaters. But I think when it comes to leisure, 
um, there's this trend in hospitality where we value the, the guests seem to value a lot more the experience at the destination rather than the services, the quality of services at the hotel. So I think people are looking to have a good deal, which means that this is the decision is driven by the by the rate of the room. So um, you know, it's if I can have a better deal with someone else, I will go with someone else. I'm not going to necessarily come back to the same hotel. It's a bit the same for airplanes when you think of it. What you want is, you know, the cheapest way to go from point A to point B, and that's it. There's very little people that says, "Oh, I only fly on Lufthansa first. I only do that." There's like a very, very few people. That... I'm, I'm also, I mean, this is probably a good metric for people who operate a hotel, right? Um, um, right. Obviously, this study isn't, you know, covering the entire world. It's mostly U.S.-based, right, and Europe-based. <clears throat> so it might be very different, uh, let's say, in India or anywhere else for that matter, right? So, but still, fifty-five percent is pretty high. I would also assume it's thirty. It's not bad. Yeah. Right. So, um, if you are below that, maybe you should look at your offering <laughs> and see. <laughs> just, just as a <laughs> quick uh, tip. It's very hard to to build loyalty to to to, to guests. It's a, uh, it's, 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 you know, it's not with your little uh, loyalty card, and uh, you know, you spend some night and you get points in Credible. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad that you put the French accent on that. It kind of works really well. Yeah, but, but he, had, <laughs> he actually had a very crappy English accent. But anyway, um, I think it's very difficult because ultimately you sell a clean, safe night, and as you said, so many people do that or actually pretend doing this. So. I think it's it's very difficult to build loyalty, very very challenging. Yeah, and especially I mean, right? If your distribution uh, strategy is mostly selling to two operators that just bunch up fifty people in a bus, those people aren't very likely to come back to you, right? Uh, they Never. they don't care. They don't even know where they're going. They just booked a trip and yeah, <laughs> to some yeah, exactly. Right, you're right, you're right. So. All right. On that note, um, we have, I think, at this point, a regular uh, piece of news that you bring in, which is, uh, you know, uh, crew, the cruise industry. <laughs> in fact, you brought two pieces of news. Uh, please elaborate. What is so exciting about uh, cruises this week? <laughs> well, Regent Seven Seas is a company that is considered to be the most uh, luxurious uh, on passenger vessels. Um, and it's very interesting to see that they're doing this partnership with Aston Martin, with the Formula One team of Aston Martin. So this is a great marketing deal because, uh, of course, there are going to be logos everywhere on the car. So if you are an Aston Martin Formula One fan, you're going to see that the company is partnering with Regent. So you're going to be interested in traveling with Regent. If you like Formula One and you travel with Regent, you're going to say, oh, they're partnering with Aston Martin. So maybe I'm going to get special deals with that as well. So this partnership is going to be very uh, profitable for both companies and what I really like is that the ships are also going to have specific itineraries stopping in the countries where there's going to be a Grand Prix um, so all this is kind of a mix that enables a lot of the fans from Aston Martin and a lot of the fans slash guests of Regent Seven Seas to mix together and that's a really good way in my opinion to stimulate sales for both companies because Regent Seven Seas is super expensive. So we can assume that those clients, a few of them at least can afford maybe Aston Martin cars. So um, I just thought it was very cool. And it really shows how the hospitality industry and the cruise industry is really trying to uh, connect with what's happening on land, it's trying to connect with other other uh, interesting sports, interesting activities. And um, 
just wanted to share with you guys because it's I think it's pretty nice. We we have seen this for uh, other cruise line. For instance, the French cruise line Ponant has some um, golfing itineraries where they partner with different golfs, or they have partnership with uh, specific magazines. Uh, and there's some people from the magazine that come and do some lectures. So this type of co-branding is happening more and more, and I think it's bringing some more interesting and innovative products to the guests. So I think this is on the right way, and it's very interesting. Yeah, it's a pretty cool brand deal. Uh, I know people who are extremely passionate about Formula One, to to, to an extent that I, I'm not passionate about anything in my life, probably. So. Uh... It's a so right, uh, I mean, for Regent as well, that might be something to jump on, right? If you, uh, I'm not sure if, if if people will become you know kind of a co 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 fans of the of the region because of that. But yeah, sounds like a perfect deal. Well, they, they, it seems that if you book the, the ship, the, the cruise, that the ship goes to the Grand Prix, uh, there's some staff from the Formula One that's going to come on board. Maybe the pilots, they're going to give a lecture and things like that. So this is a real true value for Formula One fans. It's it's a great added value to the cruise, but so I think it's brilliant. But question is, do you get a discount if you're a Formula One fan? Probably not. We <laughs> <Probably> pay more. <laughs> Correct. You have a referral link where you have Honestly, a ten above ten percent price. Cruise, you don't really care much about ten percent, to be honest. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just money. They probably have like a, a fire pit where you just throw money in, right? And then, you know, it just, you know, it just. Yeah, it's called my pockets. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, the cruise tip box. I think on that note, we, we can jump on to the next piece of news. Um, I've brought something um, of value. I would, let's put it this way as well. Uh, it's So basically, there was a study. Uh, once again, right? I think uh, I, I mostly bring studies into like this. Studies here. Exactly, um, and it was basically looking into um, uh, short-term rentals. So um, yeah. it's from a Lighthouse, right? They are a software, right? They, you know, it's kind of self-interested, right? They're doing this to attract attention to because what they do is effectively study statistics for you know uh, basically um, trends for uh, short-term rentals for people, especially who operate short-term rentals. You know, something like AirDNA. I don't know if you, uh, you know that, right? And they made a recent report, uh, and the report itself is uh, right. It's it's kind of all over the place. However, there's a few different interesting, uh, I would say interesting findings so for example the first uh, graph um, that they went into is <clears throat> the growth of short-term rentals um, so how many short-term rentals they have increased and then also versus hotels right so um, let's say um, I mean Istanbul for example right uh, short-term rentals have decreased by 15% there and hotels have increased by 1%, right? And then you can go into different locations and you can see how this changed so drastically, right? It's kind of all over the place. There is no average. I mean, yes, you can average this out, right? And you will get some number, but it doesn't represent anything because there is no correlation between the cities. Yeah, so for example, so for example, um, Tokyo, uh, it's right at the bottom. Uh, unfortunately, you're covering with your shoulder there, right? <laughs> um, it, it had a inc huge increase of 37% of uh, short-term rentals. And then, <laughs> yes, and then a 53% increase of hotel rooms. Or Singapore, right? 125% increase and a 30% drop of uh, short-term rentals. Uh, that's just 
fascinating, right? The, the differences in that. Um, there is no Barcelona in here, right? So for example, oh wait, sorry, there is, right? Barcelona has increased as well, even though there's a lot of rules in place that are banning this. Uh, but still, there's an increase of both hotel rooms and um, short-term rentals. Now, this is just one graph, right? There's another one that goes into, um, well, you know, ADR changes and stuff. However, this one I found also quite interesting. Um, ratings. So you can see, basically, you, you know, the average ratings, right, um, on, on various OTA platforms of professionally operated short-term rentals, private short-term rentals, independent hotels and chain hotels, right? So they're basically trying to compare similar, you know, apples to apples in a way. So the, obviously there was a drop during COVID, you know, everybody was unhappy. I don't, it's hard to make people happy when you have to sit inside and do nothing. And probably there was a lot of cancellations, right? So, you know, kind of makes sense. However, what you can see is the highest ratings, at least, you know, in the pool that they looked at, I'm not sure how representative it is, right? Blah, blah, blah. But private short-term rentals have the highest average ratings uh, amongst all four categories, right? Then comes the independent hotels, right? So they are also higher than the professional uh, run certain rentals and chain hotels. And then right at the bottom is chain hotels. You know, fair enough. They have to operate kind of like a, you know, a, a factory. So it's hard for them to maybe make it very personalized. And then, you know, um, I, which I'm, I'm a little bit surprised about is the professionally, professionally run short-term rentals. I would actually assume that they should have been higher on the score, but I guess it's the same logic as uh, for chain hotels, right? They kind of systemize it, make it the same, and maybe it loses its spirit, and so people, uh, well, rate it lower. However, on average, right, and that's the most important thing is, the ratings have also dropped for all of them compared to 2019 and 2019 levels, right? So... Uh, the industry isn't getting better, <laughs> at least in the eyes of the uh, <laughs> of the of the guests. So, or at least there is maybe more you know, on the offer, right? As we saw, and so maybe you know the the newcomers are maybe not as as great <laughs> as the ones that operated before, perhaps. Right? It would be you need to go go into a deeper you know deep deeper dive and to find that out. But so yeah, thoughts. It's very interesting. Yeah, no. I, I, on this graph in particular, I was I was wondering, could this be? First of all, everything drops. Mm -hmm. It means something, um, especially when it comes to the private and professional short-time rent. Remember when Airbnb was created? What was fun with it was one, it's cheaper, and two, you get welcomed by the owner. The owner is showing you around. There's like this relationship between the guest and the owner which slowly disappeared and was totally killed by covid because we could not interact anymore so could this could this also explain why private short-term rentals and even professional short-term rentals have been seeing some sort of a drop in their ranking because this interaction is now completely gone and also by the way because the price is outrageously expensive now even more expensive than hotels maybe I, I would say it's it's it would it would be probably the latter, right? Because there is an obvious relationship between price and satisfaction. So the higher the price, you can you know you have a, some some sort of an equilibrium for any type of property, right? At certain level of price, you reach the highest potential in terms of ratings, and then the higher you go, the lower the rating, and so on and so forth. But um, on the other hand, though, right? It's not also just the COVID. It, it's just like things, things like Nuki, you know, <laughs> for those who don't know, uh, you know, digital key systems where, you know, you basically 
are trying to set up your Airbnb so that you never see your guest, right? Theoretically, because yeah. let's say, I mean, oh, but that goes against the point. Yeah, 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 no, fair enough, right? But uh, how could you, right? I mean, especially for professional operators, let's say you have 60 uh, Airbnbs across town, and I know several people who work in companies like this. All of those wonderful 60 Airbnbs are allocated basically in random places. It's very rare that they manage to sign, you know, one big building and, you know, have like 20 Airbnbs in there. And then so as a result, so yeah, right. And then how do you run around, you know, it can take you an hour depending on the city to get from one place to another. So you'd rather have a Nookie system and, you know, automate everything. And, um, but, you know, following your logic though, right. It's uh, it chain hotels and independent hotels also have dropped, right. You can see the, right. The 2008 levels were in fact, actually everything in 2008 was much closer to each other than, than it is now. So it has spread a little bit, the sort of the distance between the chain hotel and the private STR, but on overall, all of them have dropped, right? Not just SDR. So it's it's mm-hmm. maybe yeah. it's 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 de- it's definitely the price, probably for sure, right? And then maybe other things. Maybe chain hotels are also trying to automate, right? I don't know. Imagine you're for the short-term rentals. You used to pay less and have a better service. Now it's the you pay more and you have no more service. And for the hotel, you used to pay less to have a certain service. The service is about the same, if not a little bit less today than it was 10 years ago. And you pay more anyway. So obviously everything is going to go down. Yep. Very, very, very exciting <laughs> for the guests. But it's yes. it's an opportunity, right? For those, you know, you have to just look at this and you think, okay, what was, do, what was done before? How it changed and how can I offer that now so that I can be on top of that, right? And there's always those, there's still those players, um, you know, that have 4.9 out of 5 on Airbnb, right? Uh, professional or otherwise. Um, so. I guess also because the product is less complex. A hotel has to be clean, but everywhere the pool has to work, blah, 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 blah. Where when you rent a condo or an apartment, it's also a lot simpler to manage, I would say. So um, probably that's also why there's less, you know, messed up let's say stress yeah but more expensive and service is going down so you pay more for less obviously people will be more critical i'd love to put hostels on this one just to see what's uh how that's like <laughs> the weather rating there is but that will be well. uh, probably very very much all over the place also cruises right it's hard to do cruises have some sort of a system like a aggregate ota that you can book cruises on where you can see the reviews or yeah Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. There's like travel agencies online, OTAs that are specialized in selling cruise lines. Booking.com actually jumped on the train, right? Recently, they started offering uh, cruises just recently. So we'll see that. So most of the time you don't really rent, you don't really review. I mean, it's difficult because do you review the itinerary or do you review the vessel? So it's a little bit different. Most of the time it's more of a qualitative type of rating than a quantitative. So you would go on travel blogs and read what the travel blogger said about the room, about the food, the entertainment, that the itinerary are, and all this. Stuff. That are definitely not sponsored by those very cruise ships that they are reviewing, right? 100% not. Never. That would, that would be very, pe- as they say, people in the don't lie. So. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. So it's a little bit harder to give an evaluation to a ship or an itinerary or a cruise line. But of course, you know that Regent is a lot more luxurious and full of services than Carnival Cruise Line, for instance. You know, plus or minus the positioning of each cruise line compared to each other. So 
that's that's a bit harder for us, I guess. All right. Um, do we have time for one more? I think we do. Um, there is a few different ones. We've like, you can look at our newsletter uh, where we go through a lot more. We kind of try to pick the best here, but um, um, I think I have. I'll, I'll, let's go through one more. Um, what I it, this one is going to be very very boring, uh, at least for some. <laughs> uh, basically, there has been a an academic study, right? The, the people are usually very excited hey. when 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 you get into that, right? Uh, and it's been looking into ESG metrics. So what are those, right? For those who don't know, you know, basically uh, all the different businesses out there are now trying to become eco friendly, more sustainable, right? And um, <clears throat> A study looked at, I think, over a uh, six hundred different reviews. Six, sorry, six hundred different studies, uh, academic studies, into the industry as how they're trying to deal with ESG. Right. So, uh, with this, you know, you can imagine interviewing the the corporate leadership, looking into how guests react to this, and the findings were that at the moment. The main focus industry is a to make sure that <laughs> the guests are you know happy, so that you know they're basically trying to market your ESG metrics to to whoever, and b uh, you have your corporate goals that you need to perform you know in some sort of a metric um, <clears throat> on the stock market, right? You need to pretend that you're ESG friendly in a way, and then uh, c right, which is more or less the same. It's kind of corporate governance. How do you know CEOs and so on and forth impact this? But the, the, in a nutshell, what the study actually concluded is that currently nobody has actually really defined well <laughs> what ESG means. So uh, it's just, you know, a lot of uh, cool words that people look into. But um, uh, effectively, a lot of hotel businesses and, you know, people in businesses in the hospitality sector are not actually... Uh, you know, trying to look at, you know, bottom down, bottom line numbers of how much water you've wasted, how much, uh, how could you've improved it, right? It's mostly looking at how can we make sure that our stock, and uh, our stakeholders, shareholders are happy and the guests are booking our rooms because we advertise it correctly. So uh, it's not a... <clears throat> Right. It's one of those studies. It's not, you know, as exciting as, you know, I'm not sure reading uh, something about, uh, let's say, Formula One. Right. But um, it's it's actually goes into a lot of details that are important for the industry. So no, but it's interesting. But what you said about the you know, cost control, I think it's very interesting because um, it, it's just data. Right. But it's it's very hard to 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 gather this data. And I remember a incredibly weird conference on board a ship big ship where there's this big 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 shot corporate that comes and say okay guys we need to be careful on the waste because it's not very eco-friendly so we have we're gonna equip every ship with those scales and it was pretty much the scale with like a touch screen and every time you waste food you're supposed to scale it and enter it on the pad I'm sure it was done every time, flawlessly. Exactly, that's the point. So the company would gather data on, which is a great idea because it shows, it helps you to, you know, shorten the cost. You can, you know, like, do you need to make 500 liters of soup every day if only 20 liters is eaten? You know, it's, it's a real financial and eco question. Well, how can you expect hospitality workers to do this? It's like... I think it's, it applies to everyone, right? Whenever you add new tasks to people, they really have to align with their own interests, right? And especially when it comes to like tracking something like this, right? The less you track, the better your metrics are in a way. So you are 
actually you know setting your people to motivate them to say well we've wasted less because we didn't weigh it basically right we're a great ship we don't waste any food oh my god yes <laughs> never <laughs> especially on cruise ships right on the buffets everything gets eaten those those pesty tourists just <laughs> clean the oh, plates i saw people fighting for meat so <laughs> everything is eaten definitely fighting for meat i think on that note we can <laughs> conclude <laughs> this week's podcast um thank you very much for joining everyone and uh, pleasure. thank you i guess uh, jeremy for bringing your pieces of news i think it's a very good uh, insight that i don't bring so um I guess I see you next week. Uh, oh, it'll be a pleasure. Yep. Yeah.